Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Church Online. We're so glad you're here. If you're our guest, man, we're honored you're here with us today. We're in week two of a series we've called Cultivate, just diving into the heart and purpose behind Cultivate Church. We know this, that we are the church. The church is a people. It's not a place or a logo or any other thing. It's not a street corner. It's a people. And we're the church, and we get to play a role in the global church here at Cultivate Church. And week one, uh, we kicked off the series and said we are people of purpose. And we talked about what that purpose is. Last week, we said that we are called and that we're committed and that we're also capable. And I know if you're like me, there's been times in your life where uh, because of circumstances and situations, maybe decisions you've made, things that you've walked through that maybe you didn't even ask for, things that weren't your fault, things that happened in life, right? Life happens to us all. Many of us have doubted that call. Many of us have walked through seasons where we just weren't committed to faith or to God or to a local church. And, and I know if you're like me, there's a whole bunch of us that have struggled with the fact that are we even capable? Are we capable to do what God's calling us to? Are we capable to really do anything significant for the Father? Are we capable to do anything significant for Jesus in the context of the local church? What could God ever do with me? And then last week, we solidified that through Scripture that, man, God has called us. We are committed. And when we're committed to God's call on our life, He makes us capable. I love uh, the fact that God doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And if we'll just commit to Him, He works it all out. Isn't that good? And uh, if you've got your notes, we can pull those out. You can right there on, on the screen where you're tuned in. And uh, our theme verse is Joshua chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And I love this, a beautiful picture of the local church. He's talking to Israel and he says, But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead other tribes across the Jordan and help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest as he has given you rest. I love that. Until they too possess the land the Lord your God has given them. Only then may you return and settle here on the east side of the Jordan River in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, has assigned you. Come on, isn't that a beautiful picture of the local church? What does that mean? It means life isn't all about me. It's not just about chasing my dreams. It's not just about pursuing what, <laughs> what I want in life. It's about helping others too. It's about serving people around me. We've all got a sphere of influence. And, and if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, we spoke about this even last week. We said, listen, if, 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 if that's all there was to it, then why, once we're saved, once we've given our heart to Christ, why, doesn't, why didn't the Lord just take us on to heaven? Well, I believe it's found here in this verse. You too, help others across the Jordan. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest too. It's not just about me. My life isn't about me. It's about serving those around me. The gospel isn't just about you. It's not just about me getting saved, me going to heaven, me being forgiven of my sin. The local church exists for the world. We are the church we exist for the world. We're people of purpose. We're people of purpose. God's called us to something greater, and he's made us capable, but he's also helped us to realize that if we're going to complete that purpose, if we're going to walk out that purpose, today's title, today's message, I titled it People of Tenacity. 
Come on, the local church needs to be tenacious. Why? Because it's because we know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that as much of a as much as what God wants for us, that He's got a purpose for our lives and all of that stuff, we know that so does the enemy. So does the enemy. So we're going to dive in today. I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in today's message. And I just want to share with you some whys. What, why do we need to be tenacious? Why do we need to settle in and dig in and, 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 and work hard for the gospel, for the cause of the gospel in our own spheres of influence? All right, so let's pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word today that it's alive and breathing and real. It's for us. It inspires us. It corrects us. It challenges us. And you tell us in 2 Timothy that it equips us for every good work. So, Father, I pray that we walk away from your word today equipped with the tools that we need to live our lives on purpose in a way that honors you. Oh, God, that you would get all the glory and all the honor out of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why do we need to be tenacious? Because, because, number one, you need to know that God has a plan. He has a plan. The Bible says it this way in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God's got a plan. Now, why does that, Brandon, that's great. Why does that mean, why do, what, what does that have to do with tenacity? Well, if you read the scripture right before Jeremiah 29, 11, that's such a famous verse in the Bible. The Bible declares God tells his people that you're going to go through a season of difficulty. And specifically, he told Israel, you're, going to, you're, you're walking into 70 years of captivity. Life is going to be hard. You're going to have to be tenacious. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to dig in. But you need to know this. Even though the season's going to be difficult, I know the plans I have for you. And listen, my plan is not, the finality is not destruction. It's not going to end in difficulty. My plan is to give you a hope and a future. Now, here's what else I know. If God's got a plan, we know the enemy has a plan as well. We just quoted it. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's his purpose. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Life and life to the fullest. Isn't that good news today that, you know what, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what season of life you find yourself in, God does have a plan. There's nothing that he can't turn around for good. And anytime the enemy would come in and try to destroy through circumstances and situations and even decisions that you've been lured into making in your life, Jesus can turn it around and use it to give us a full and satisfying life. Even though the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Before you were born, God designed a good plan for your life. Oftentimes, that plan is manipulated because of our life decisions, isn't it? Oftentimes, it seems as if that plan gets derailed. But God still knows the plan he has for us. It's still a plan to prosper us. It's still a plan for our good. I met my wife when I was 15 years old. We, she's my high school sweetheart. We've been married. This year, we will have been married 16 years. Can I tell you something? At 15, I wasn't looking for a wife. 
At 15, I wasn't looking for a partner in ministry. I wasn't looking for someone who was one day going to help us plant a life-giving church that was going to make a massive difference across Shelby County and around the rest of the world. It's just not what I was looking for. But come on, listen, God's plan works in spite of us sometimes. Even though you may not be looking for, uh, for purpose or God's plan in every circumstance or situation, He's sovereign, He's good, and His plan is for your good and for His glory. Jesus knew at 15 that she was going to be my wife. And he protected us and he kept us because he had a plan. People need to know that God has a plan. You need to know there may be times where we've got to dig in. Tenacity means to it's a uh, it's a it's it's having grit. It's being tough. It's persevering through circumstances. And sometimes we have to persevere because we know that on the other end, God's plan is going to prevail. God has a plan. Number two, why a tenacious church? Why do we need to be tenacious? Number two is because we've all fallen short. We've all fallen short. We know that. There are people in our lives that have fallen short. Romans 3.23 says it this way, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Come on, it's easy to believe the lie that no one knows what you're going through. But I want you to know today that we're surrounded by people every day of our lives, everywhere we go, who have fallen short and are walking through the shame and guilt and hurt and disappointment of falling short. So many people, I heard it just this past week, someone, I invited them to our church, and, and they said, man, the ceiling may fall in if I show up there. They're, they're walking in the shame and the guilt of decisions of their past, and they've fallen short, and they need someone tenacious enough, come on, strong enough, courageous enough to hold the line and, and, and welcome them in and love them, no strings attached. Everyone has fallen short. Come on, listen. You won't find anyone uh, in and around Cultivate Church who's on go number one at this thing. We all need to dig in, and we all, we're, we're linking arm in arm, doing life together, and tenaciously chasing after the purpose and plan of God for our life. Because there are people that if we don't, they, never, they might never see him. We all know that we're, we're, we're all broken people in need of a Savior. We've all fallen short. And I know it's easy to believe the whispers of the enemy in your life. Maybe you're here today, you're tuning in from wherever, and you've, you've begun to believe the lie of the enemy in your life, that you've fallen too far. You've made too many decisions. You've been gone from that church for far too long. Nobody's going to welcome you back. They're too angry at you or upset at you. You've made too many decisions. They'll never welcome you. Come on, that's the voice of the enemy. The enemy knows your name. He calls you by your sin. He's going to label you by everything that you do and, and, and decisions that you've made. But I want you to know today that God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. We've all fallen short. But the grace of God is strong enough and big enough to cover our sin. You're not defined by your mistakes. Come on, we'll forever be a beacon of hope for the one. Shouting it from the rooftops. You're not alone. We know that all have fallen short. And it's going to take a church that's strong and courageous and tenacious to hold the line and to love people unconditionally where they are because none of us have not fallen short. Another reason we need to be tenacious in our faith as a local church is because the payment for sin is death. We know 
that so many people are going to live their lives like they have, lacking purpose, apart from faith in Jesus, apart from a relationship with the Father, and one day eternity is going to come and they're going to spend eternity apart from Him because they never accepted Christ as their Savior. That's all of us. We've all fallen short. You know what the difference between us, the local church, you know what the difference between the church and the rest of the world is? It's the blood of Jesus. It's simply the grace that covers our sin. But the Bible says it this way in Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death. You and I, we all know people in our, in our everyday life, personal family, immediate family, co-workers, colleagues, who will one day reap the benefits of their sin, reap the wages of their sin. The wages of their sin is death. Apart from the cross, apart from Jesus, there's all, we will all face the consequences of our decisions. We exist as a church. We're tenacious. We're digging in. We're, we're no strings attached, going to love the world around us because we know that there is consequence to our decisions. There are consequences to them. Not long ago, my wife and I were riding down the road, and uh, we were on our way to a, a, a small group somewhere, and um, I was just kidding. I was just kidding around, and I reached over, and I grabbed my wife's leg, and it, and it shocked her, and she had her leg propped up, and I mean, without even thinking, she grabbed her shoe, and she hit me right in the mouth. And, and that normally wouldn't be the biggest deal in the world, except for whatever reason, the shoe that she had might as well have been a two-by-four. And it hurt, and I almost wrecked the car. And I thought, what are you doing? She said, what were you doing? And I said, obviously, I made a mistake. Come on, anybody ever made a decision? You ever made decisions that you suffered a bad consequence for? There's going to be lots and lots of people in this world who will one day, far greater than any consequence on this earth, far greater than anything that we could walk through here because of our bad decisions. Eternity is coming. And death is the payment for sin. The Bible says that one day eternity is going to come and people who don't know Jesus will spend an eternity apart from him in a place called hell. We don't want to see that happen. It's our goal. Come on, we're a tenacious church. We're people of tenacity because we want to take as many people with us to heaven as we could possibly take. Everything that we do is geared around, developed around, showing people who Jesus is and the power of his resurrection. We've all fallen short. We've all missed the mark. We've all sinned. And the consequence for that sin is death. We exist because thousands of people still don't recognize their need for a Savior. They're confused. They're helpless. And before you need to know this, why, why else? It's because people are hurting. They're hurting. We know because people have fallen short. We know that people don't recognize God's plan for their life. We know, we know that they are walking through the consequences of decisions that they've made, even earthly, and they're on their way. All of us, come on, it's, it's appointed to man once to die and then face the judgment. We know that all of us one day will face eternity. And even in the midst of it, because they're walking through earthly consequences, all so many people are hurting. They're hurting. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus says it this way in verse 36 through 38. It says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus said it. He recognized the masses of people. 
And he recognized that he had compassion on them because they were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We exist because there are people who are confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We're going to be tenacious because we know there are so many people who are helpless, who are hurting, who don't know where to turn and don't know what to do. And just like the one that I invited to church just a little bit ago, saying the roof is going to fall in, no way that anybody would accept them. They're hurting and they're carrying their pain and they're carrying the baggage of the decisions that they've made. And they don't know what to do with it. Here's what I've learned about hurt people. People that are hurting. Hurt people hurt people. They hurt others. Injured people are going to hurt people. And maybe you're here today and you're carrying around the wounds of your past. You're hurting because someone has hurt you. Some situation has hurt you. You've been, you're carrying around offense. You're carrying around bitterness and anger and anxiety and depression. And it's all leading deeper and deeper and deeper, and you're, 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 you're separated further and further and further from community, from faith in Jesus, from your relationship with the Father. We know that there are so many people, maybe even tuning in, we know that there are broken marriages. There are unbroken addictions. There are people who feel like they can never find forgiveness. They're like sheep without a shepherd, and they just need someone tenacious enough Come on, courageous enough to stand in the gap, come hell or high water. We're not a country club. We're, we're, we're a rescue ship. Come on, are we strong enough? Are we courageous enough to step out in the middle of a storm, in the middle of messy grace? Grace is messy, loving people. It's messy. People have fallen short. Are we willing to be courageous and tenacious enough of a church to step out and love people where they are? are because people are hurting. They're hurting. They need people to come and find them. As a result, that's the why. Why do we need? So how are we going to be? What are we, how are we going to walk in tenacity? Number one, you want to write this down. We are compelling. We're going to be a compelling church. We're going to be a church that's not saying we're not going to stand back and say, come and see, come and be, come and be good enough, come and be strong enough, come and be uh, uh, clean enough. That's not going to be us. We're going to be compelling. We're going to go out and we're going to compel those to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Luke says it this way in Luke chapter 14. It says that this master had already sent invitations to people. And they had made excuses for one reason or another. And they weren't going to come. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. Verse 23, he says, Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full compel them. What does that mean? It means anything. We'll do anything short of sin. We'll do anything that we can possibly think of and work out to compel people to come, to know who Jesus is and the power of his resurrection. We're not waiters. We are goers. We are doers. We're going to go out and compel people. You have a sphere of influence. They need to know that you love Jesus. They need to know that you're a part of a life-giving church. They need to know that you're compelling them to come find out what God's plan and purpose is for their life. We will go wherever, whenever the Lord opens a door to share the good news of Jesus with the kindness of Jesus. It's why we're involved in missions. 
It's why we're involved in church planting. It's why we have missionaries on the ground in Juarez, Mexico, being the hands and feet of Jesus on a daily basis because it's not about just waiting on people to come and see. The Father has called us to be compelling. And I want you to know if you're going to be a compelling church, you're going to have to have thick skin. We're going to have to be a tenacious church. I can't tell you the amount of times that uh, uh, as a result of us just loving people, no strings attached in our community and around the world, we've gotten wise. Why love those people? Those people don't deserve your help. Why are you doing that? It's easy to find something and talk negatively about it. But we're not that kind of church. We're a compelling church. We're going to go and we're going to love no strings attached. Jesus had a higher standard than the Pharisees did. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery, right? Jesus said, but I tell you, if you even look upon a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. Jesus had a higher standard than religion, right? Religion looks down on people and tells people they're not good enough or strong enough. Jesus has a high standard, yet he still compels people to know him, calls them to a higher calling right where you are, no matter what you're walking through. Jesus loves you more than you could ever dream or imagine. We want to be compelling so that they can actually know who he is for real in their life. Number two, we're not just compelling, we're also considerate. We're not just going to go, we're not just going to compel them to come. But we recognize that some people can't physically get to Jesus on their own. I love this story in Mark chapter 2. It talks about a, a group of guys who had this friend and they were trying to get him to Jesus. But it became so difficult that it wasn't going to be an easy task. It says in verse 4, it says they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man through the mat, uh, on the mat, right down in front of Jesus. Jesus, check this out, verse 5, seeing their faith, not his faith, not the person's faith, seeing their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. We're considerate of the needs of people. We want people to meet Jesus so bad around here that we'd dig a hole through a roof and lower him to Jesus. We would do whatever it took, whatever it takes. What's going on in your life? What's whatever it takes for you in your sphere of influence? What looks a little extravagant in your sphere of influence that's taking it the extra mile, that's taking it the extra step? These people aren't going to get to Jesus unless we dig a hole through the roof. They're not going to receive healing or receive salvation unless we're extravagant, unless we're tenacious enough to do whatever it takes to show people the love and care and mercy of who Jesus really is. What if someone is waiting on you to be tenacious enough, courageous enough to do something similar to breaking through the roof of someone's home for them? Come on, that's why we're here. We're the church. We exist for the world. Who in your life needs you to go a step further so that they can actually meet Jesus? Who in your life, Jesus is going to see your faith for them, and because of that, they're going to actually get to meet with him. Will someone be set free this year because of your faith? Will someone be set free from the bondage of addiction because you were willing to go uh, day in and day out Loving them, caring for them, calling them, checking on them, helping them get into a recovery program, driving them to the hospital because they didn't have anybody else to go with them. Are we willing to be the church 
tenacious enough to go past what culture looks at, to go past what just religion might say. But we're willing to get down into the mud. We're willing to get round, get down in to the nitty-gritty of grace and what it really looks like and digging people out of the circumstances that they're in and presenting them to Jesus so that they can really know who he is. Pick them up, right? Help them, help them. And whatever it looks like, because grace isn't beautiful all the time, and we're a tenacious church, and we're willing to do whatever it takes to get them to the feet of Jesus. Happens all the time around here at Cultivate Church. I'm always amazed. I'm always so amazed at the, the level of love and care that our church is willing to go through and willing to step out on just so that people can know who Jesus is, no strings attached. We're a considerate church. We're going to consider the needs of others. We'll do whatever it takes to get them to Jesus. And then number three, you need to know we're a compassionate church. We're a compassionate church. I just read a while ago, Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. But I'm so glad that the verse doesn't end there. It says that, the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That's the free gift of God. Compassion. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. While we were utterly helpless, Romans 6, 6 says, Christ came at the right time and died for us. It says while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of the cross, that that Christ still died for us. You see, the Father was compassionate. In spite of us, he still went to the cross for us. The Bible talks about it this way in Acts. It says that Jesus went to the cross, despising his shame. He, he went to the cross, and this is why. In hopes that one day you and I might come to know who he is, we may find our way back into a relationship with the Father. One of the most beautiful things, I think, about the gospel is God is not just this cosmic being up in heaven waiting for you to make a mistake, much like you may think. Maybe you're here today and you've lived your life that way, and every time you've walked through the doors of a church, all you could feel were the gleaming eyes bearing down on you in judgment. And you felt as if there's no way you could fully be accepted because of the decisions you've made or the lifestyle that you've lived or the things that you've done. I want you to know today that that is a lie of the enemy. That God is compassionate. He is loving. He loved you so much that he sent his only son to pay for the penalty of our sin. You and me. There's nothing you can do, the Bible says, that, that can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. We're a tenacious church because we know that there is an enemy of this world who has fed thousands and thousands of people this same lie. That God wouldn't accept you. I want you to know he accepts you right where you are. But he's never going to leave you where he found you. And the grace of God can cover every sin. Maybe you're here today and that's you. And you would say, Brandon, I, that's me. I've lived my life and I've walked through the consequences of my bad decisions. And I've struggled through it. And to be honest, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. To be honest, I don't have a relationship with the Father. And I want that today. Right where you are, I want to lead you into relationship with him. You would simply say these words, Father, forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry that I've lived my life in my own way, in my own strength. I've said no to you for so long, and today I'm saying yes. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. 
And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. Father, thank you for salvation. Thank you for taking my sin and throwing it away. The Bible says it's as far as the east is from the west. He'll never bring your sin up again. It's forgiven. It's forgotten. Grace has covered your life. And maybe you're here today and maybe you follow Jesus. Maybe you've accepted him as Savior, but you've been struggling in your own right. Come on, you've been struggling to walk out this faith journey. You've been struggling to make a difference in the sphere of influence around you. I believe that today God is calling you to another level of tenacity. God is calling you to another level of courage. He's calling you to be willing and to be able to be considerate of others around you and to do whatever it takes so that they may know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. For some of you, it's going to be as simple as stepping out of your comfort zone and inviting someone to church. For some of you, it's going to go a little deeper and it's going to, maybe the Lord's calling you to serve in a different capacity here at the local church. Maybe he's calling you to serve uh, in an outreach program or in a recovery program. Maybe he's calling you to serve in student ministry or in some other area where you can step out of your comfort zone and you can use the giftings and callings that he's enabled you. He's made you capable to live through and to walk out. Maybe it's you stepping out and being tenacious enough to say yes to the call of God on your life. And you can step into your calling here at the local church because we're a people of tenacity. We're willing to do anything short of sin so that people may know him and the power of his resurrection. Maybe today, this is your yes. You're simply gonna say, Father, I'm willing. Whatever it is you're calling me to, you have my yes. You have my life. I'm, I'm going to walk in tenacity. I'm going to dig in with the grace of God that's on my life. And I'm going to apply it to other people in my sphere of influence so that as many people as I could possibly take with me to heaven get to go. So, Father, I pray that you do that in, in Jesus' name, that you seal that call on someone's life today. God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for life change. And we thank you for the call that we get to partner with here at Cultivate Church to make a difference in Shelby County so that we can see revival come to our families and to the world around us. Father, that you would get all of the glory and all of the honor out of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.